0: Welcome to The Postpartum Wow, the show where moms share their raw, unfiltered postpartum moments. I'm your host, Sarah Allen, and I'm a first-time mom who was completely broadsided by postpartum depression and anxiety. I'm here to show the not-so-pretty side of becoming a parent, and I hope you hear something that resonates with you because, let's be honest, the postpartum experience is nothing like we imagined. But along with the struggles come glimpses of hope. So buckle up and hold on tight, and let's get to it. Hello again, friends. Welcome back uh, to another episode Postpartum Well. Uh, I have with me today uh, a friend of mine. Her name is Caitlin. She is here to uh, ex- basically give her story to you guys. Um, before we get uh, too deep into conversation, uh, like I always do, I provide a little disclaimer. I'm not a medical professional. The opinions that I express here are my own and don't take them as medical advice. And also a trigger warning If you're currently in the throes of uh, postpartum depression or anxiety, just know that today's topic could uh, trigger some feelings, so just be aware of that. And without further ado, I'm going to uh, let Caitlin have the floor and tell her a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey, everyone. Uh, My name is Caitlin Schmidt. Um, I am married to my fantastic husband, Austin. Um, We've been together for about six and a half years. We've been married for five and a half, just about. Um, we have two beautiful little girls. I might be biased, but that's okay. Um, Aria just turned four, and Michaela is one and a half. And they keep me busy and on my toes, especially my Michaela. She is a COVID baby, and they are a different breed for sure.
0: Yeah, I I lucked out. I feel like I got we got pregnant shortly after everything started opening again, but I had friends like yourself that had babies during the, the ruckus of everything that was being shut down. And I just can't imagine the the stress that was on you guys during that time.
1: Yeah, it was uh, pretty stressful, um, from start to finish. Um, we had just moved back from Omaha, Nebraska. Um, my husband got a job up in Omaha shortly after, um, We got married after he graduated from college because nobody in Wichita wanted to hire him without experience. Um, So moved up to Omaha when I was like thirty plus weeks pregnant with my first daughter, which was a whole thing in and of itself. And as soon as we moved back, we were living with my parents, and we got pregnant with Michaela at my parents' house, which was just lovely for everyone to realize. Uh, So then COVID and everything I. Was terrified I was going to have to deliver my baby alone, that they weren't going to let Austin in the room, and yeah, I was terrified.
0: <sighs> oh my goodness, yeah, I can't imagine the the stress that that put on you guys. So what I've what I've typically been having people do is kind of start their their stories by explaining a little bit about what your expectations of motherhood were before you had your first child.
1: Um, well, I always wanted to be a mom growing up, um, like in high school and stuff. I knew I wanted to get married and have a family. And I always thought I wanted like four. Now that I have kids, I'm like, "Mm, maybe two or three is okay. Uh, four. No, thank you. Um, kudos to all the moms who can do that. But, um, I'm not, I don't think I'm one of them. Um, but my (laughs) my biggest fear was that because I wanted to be a mom so bad, I wasn't going to be able to have kids. And that was just like an unrealistic fear going in, um, that I wouldn't be able to provide kids for my husband or for myself as well. Um, so just having that on my brain kind of affected me during my first pregnancy. Um, just the excitement of like, Oh, i actually pregnant but oh what if I lose it and I have issues and all the millions and millions of things that run through your head as a mother and during your pregnancy and after your pregnancy and everything but I had like this mental picture of what kind of mom I was going to be like the trendy mom that did all sorts of things with her kids and just had it all together And my kids would eat great and eat the things that I gave them without complaint. And we would only have like a set amount of TV time. And um, my kids would be like super smart, not necessarily like reciting the periodic table of elements by two, but just, you know, by kindergarten, they knew all their letters and numbers and could identify them and everything. So, like, I started myself off behind, I think by setting such a high expectation of perfection for myself as a mother. And then when I actually had my first kid, it did not go that way at all. And just like, Oh, I'm going to breastfeed my kid and it's going to be this beautiful bonding experience and everything. And it did not go any which way I had mentally pictured in my brain. And that was, not something I was expecting at
0: all. <laughs> no, so going on top of that, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the, your experience when you had your first child and like the, when the reality set in of, of birth and postpartum.
1: Um, well, like I already kind of mentioned, um, we moved up to Omaha when I was around between, I can't remember exactly, but it was like 30 to 32 weeks. Um, pregnant with Aria. And so, I mean, this is first pregnancy still, no idea what to expect, what's coming, what's not coming. Um, so, we instantly had to find a doctor because I was getting close to the weekly appointments at the end of your pregnancy. Um, moved to a place I had no idea where anything was. I didn't know anybody. Um, my husband would go to work during the day and I'd be at a home and I didn't, like I said, know where anything was. My family was five and a half hours away. Um, So I really started to feel alone at the end of my pregnancy with Aria. And I think that's kind of when all of my postpartum issues started on top of just having heavy stuff from previous in my life, which... Has nothing to do with motherhood, so I won't get into it. Um, but previous things affected me um, anxiety wise, depression wise, because I kind of feel like anxiety and depression go hand in hand. You can't really have one without the other. Just one might be stronger than the other. Like you might be more depressed with anxiety, or you might have anxiety so bad that you feel depressed. Um, like you can't go anywhere because you're just so anxious. Um, so, it started during like the last month and a half of my pregnancy with Aria Um, and going into labor. Like I had this mindset like, Hey, I am going to deliver my baby naturally because my mom did it at 18. And if she can do it at 18, I can obviously do it in my twenties. You know, Um, I'm not a teenager. Yes. It's still my first baby, but if she can do it, I can do it. And there was a part of me that like, just wanted to impress her like strive for um making her proud like as her daughter and everything and so going in i had that mindset of like i was going to do it to prove to her how strong i was not necessarily thinking i want to prove to myself like hey this was my goal and i achieved it and i want to be proud of myself for doing this and bringing my kid into the world and um so The funny thing is, uh, in both my pregnancies, actually, I didn't realize I was in labor at first with either one until I was like, Oh no, I'm in labor. Uh, so I woke up at four 30, like in the morning and just felt funny. And I was like, ah, I don't know what it is. I just feel off. Went back to bed, woke up a little bit later. I was like, Oh, she's angry. I have to, I have to pee for the millionth time and so I got up, and as soon as I got up, I'm like, something just doesn't feel right, I didn't feel sick, I wasn't like in major pain or anything, just something was off, I didn't know what it was, so I went to the living room, so I didn't wake my husband up, and um, then I felt my first contraction, and I was like, oh, that's that's why I feel weird, okay, it's my first baby, they said it would take forever, um, so I didn't wake Austin up, I just sat out in the living room, watching friends, timing the contractions. And by the time he woke up, they were every four minutes, lasting over a minute apiece. And he was like, You weren't in bed. I was worried. So I just casually was like, Oh, yeah, I'm in labor. And he's like, Oh, since when? I was like, oh, Since about like five o'clock this morning. And at this point, it's like after seven. And so we kind of took our time still getting to the hospital, but it was also snowing. Um, so we had to be careful going anyways, um, because of the the road conditions, get to the hospital and they get me checked in. They check my dilation and I was at a really good five. Um, and I had been a couple times previous and they're like, Oh, they're just Braxton Hicks because they're not actually changing your dilation or anything. And so I swore to my husband the next time I went to the hospital, I was leaving with the baby, whether I had to temporarily steal one or go home with my own. Um, Disclaimer for anybody listening, I would never steal a baby. I was just (laughs) done going in and not leaving with a baby in my arms. Um, So go in and they're like, yep, you're dilated to a good five. You're definitely having a baby today. And I'm like, praise Jesus, it's Monday. And there was Monday night football on TV because it was December. So I'm like, hey, I get to watch football while I'm in labor to distract myself from the pain. This is fantastic. Um, All I wanted to do when they admitted me was get in that jacuzzi tub and labor in the water because it just sounded fantastic. So that's what I did. And for probably about two hours, And when I got out of the tub, I went from a five to like a seven and a half going on eight. So, uh, that was super helpful because I didn't, the pain wasn't as bad in the water. Um, so anybody that has that option, do it. If you have not had your baby yet, or even if you have, and you're pregnant again, give it a shot. It's fantastic. Um, but they said my water broke while I was in the tub. So I had no idea. That my water had broken until they checked me and they're like, oh, your water broke. Um, my labor with Aria lasted about 17 hours, start to finish. Um, and of course, once you get to the hospital, they won't let you eat anything. So I was exhausted. I felt dehydrated, And I got stuck at nine and a half for the longest time. And of course, at nine and a half, I'm like, I need to push. And they're like, you're not at 10. You're not allowed to push. And I'm like, no, I can't not push. I uh, I don't know how I'm not supposed to. So I had this fantastic nurse tell me that sometimes women can't fully dilate if they have a full bladder. So she made me get up, go to the bathroom, dilated to nine and a half. I'm terrified I'm going to pee and my kid is going to just fall out into the toilet. And she assured me it didn't happen. It doesn't happen that way, which I wasn't convinced. Um, so, got up, went pee, got back into bed. They checked me, and lo and behold, I was at a ten just instantly, which I thought was really interesting because I was terrified they were going to have to do that. What is it called, The peziotomy, or where where they cut to get mm-hmm. you fully dilated? And I was like, please don't do that. Yeah, because, don't do that. Uh, I I went natural. Like I never got to the point where I felt like I couldn't handle the pain. Like by the time I hit where I could push, I was just tired. I was exhausted. Mm. I wasn't like, I couldn't handle the pain. I was just so tired. My body was like done. It wanted food. I was thirsty. Luckily they let me have ice and they let me sip on water. Um, and of course our family had to drive five and a half hours to get up to Omaha once they knew I was in labor and they all made it. And my mom made it just in time to come into the room when I was like getting ready to like push and stuff. So my mom was there when I delivered Aria and they thought Aria actually had a double, was in a double sack because when she was born, she had the sack and there was water still between her head and the sack. So they thought she was actually going to be born in a sack Um, which they're like, well, that's, that's insane. That's so cool. Um, but my water had broke at the, at the top and it was trickling down. And that's why I didn't know my water had actually broke. Um, so she just had a little remnant like left between her head and the sack. Um, so I was like, Oh, that would have been cool. You know, a crazy birth story like my kid was born in the sack my (laughs) water actually never broke. It
0: was just a science Um, experiment.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, delivered her uh, naturally. And um, it luckily happened to where she was born during halftime. So I didn't I didn't miss any of the game. Um, you know, the, I love that. Impor- important things. Important things. Um, to this day, <laughs> I still remember who was playing. That who was night. playing? It was four years ago. It was um, at the time it was Redskins. They're now the commanders, um, but it was Redskins versus Eagles.
0: Oh, that um, would have been a good one.
1: Playing that night, yeah, and I liked Alex Smith, who was on the Chiefs, but then went to the Commanders. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like kind of fun. But I, I also like the Eagles, um, so I was more rooting for the Eagles um, during that game. But um, yeah, she had perfect timing, and uh, she has already started to learn football rules. So she was just kind of born. To love football like her That's mother. That's funny. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, great. I have the lovely pleasure of not having compatible blood with my children. Because of my blood type, I have to have those extra special shots.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, the, yeah, I know what you're talking the about. The one at
1: like 28 weeks and then right after delivery. Um, so, Ari and I's blood actually mixed a little bit during delivery, um, which isn't a problem for her because I'm the universal donor, but I can only have my own blood type. And since our blood mixed, it caused issues for me. Like she was perfectly fine. She was great. Um but I bled more than I should have. So I lost a little more blood. Not to the point where like I needed like a transfusion or anything like that, but enough to where I was very weak and they were like pumping food at me. They're like, eat, eat, eat. Like, you're really pale. Like, you need to get some food back in you. Get your get your blood back, you know? And so that kind of freaked me out. So I stayed a little bit longer than normal in the hospital just because of that. And um, my lovely mother-in-law stayed with us through the rest of the week. And my mom came up. Um... That first weekend, just for everybody coping with a brand new baby and then me still healing from delivering the baby and everything. And as soon as we got her home, I was terrified to leave the hospital with this tiny little thing. Like, I'm going to break her. Like, I was terrified to change her clothes because I'm like, she's so tiny. I'm just going to, I'm going to break her. And... So my mom reassured me over and over, like, you're, she's not that fragile. You really need to, you know, be careful with the head, but you can change her clothes. You can change her diaper just fine. Like you're not going to hurt her. It's okay. And she's just so teensy.
0: What like, did she weigh?
1: She Six pounds, 13 ounces. So she was like a perfect,
0: That's a perfect good size.
1: size, which funny thing um we were the same size like two oh cool and so my mom holding her was like oh my goodness this Aww. is just flashbacks and because i was seven pounds six pounds 13 ounces just like aria was so um it was fun for my mom and she's like oh it's you know a lot more fun to be on this side versus the one in the bed delivering the baby that's um, true
0: and the grandmas have
1: it yeah, they have it made. They're, like, there to comfort you as a mother to their child. But at the same time, they don't have to do any of the work. They're not in pain, and they just get to enjoy, you know, seeing All their grandbaby instantly. Yes. um, But, yeah, as soon as we got home, like, my anxiety really kicked in. Um, just with, like, what do I do with it? What do I, like, how do I breastfeed like um this it, it was just a weird concept for me to have something attached to my body. <laughs> um yeah it was just a weird concept but I'm like oh but this is like really good for the baby that colostrum is like fantastic for them and uh Aria just wouldn't gain weight properly. She went from six pounds thirteen ounces to like six pounds four ounces um and we didn't we couldn't really figure out why she slept horrendously, and um she just constantly wanted to eat, and I didn't know why. Come to find out, um I don't produce milk. I pretty much produce water. so she wasn't actually getting sustenance. She was just basically getting hydrated. Mm. Um, so it wasn't really filling her belly. So as soon as we figured that out, it actually took us like two months to figure that out. Um, So I started supplementing with formula, which made the depression kind of kick in because it's like I failed as a mother because I can't feed my baby the free way. Um, And but at the same time, like it was a day and night difference in my kid. Like she started sleeping all night long, which was fantastic for me. Because I got sleep, um, kind of, because the anxiety would wake me up like every 30 minutes to an hour. Like if I don't check on her, she's going to die. And that's what my brain kept telling me. And I couldn't talk myself out of it. I couldn't reason out of it. And that is like the biggest part of the anxiety for me is I spiral. And there's just no logic there like i understand that what i'm saying and what i'm thinking and feeling is going to happen is completely irrational but i can't get myself to believe that it's not real and i've had multiple conversations with my husband now that we've had our second kid going on 2 years ago um it's like i i get it that it makes absolutely no sense that that is the next logical step In the process, like, my kid sneezes, for example. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, my kid's going to die. And, like, I've gotten a lot better at, like, knowing my triggers, learning my triggers, and what my triggers are for, like, anxiety and depression what sends me into a spiral. But sometimes it just happens, like, so instantaneously that I don't have time to get my coping strategies out. Like it just, I instantly spiral because it kind of blindsides me with some stuff. Um, but like I would, I barely slept after Aria and I temporarily got put on some anxiety medicines, but they pretty much made me high. Um, my husband has what he thinks are hilarious stories of how I acted on this medicine and I don't find any humor in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the worst part about it is we were in the middle of Walmart when the medicine kicked in for the first time. So yeah, luckily we were in Omaha when I didn't bump into anybody. I actually knew outside of my husband. Um, So I just went to the car and um, yeah, he was like, man, you're really high. So I ended up having adverse reactions to the medicine. So I started having like, um, self harming thoughts, not like suicidal thoughts. I didn't have any like that, but thoughts like, um, maybe it would be a good idea to like break my arm or break my leg. And then my brain would come up with like how to do it. And I'm like, that is weird because like, that's not me at all like i i have never had self-harming thoughts nothing like that and so i was like huh oh, that that was weird and my brain just instantly came up with like a way to do it i never acted on it so i called my doctor and i was like hey so this is weird but this has been happening for a few days of course they were like um you need to go to the hospital right now got put into like the psych ward um place so they took everything from me put a paper gown on me like the TV was like chained and boxed to the wall like nothing could move like in that room and I felt like I was in a straight jacket I wasn't but like they literally took everything from me I wasn't allowed to have anything that could potentially harm me or harm somebody else um and I didn't have like a blanket or anything in there because, you know, if some people are in there um, because of suicidal thoughts, they don't want them to like hang themselves with a blanket or anything like that. Um, And being in a hospital, it's always cold in there. So I'm like in a paper gown freezing my little hiney off and my baby is in there with me. And um, so I, I get told to quit the medicine cold Turkey Which I had been on the medicine long enough to where I had withdrawals from the medicine. Um, And if any of you have had withdrawals from anything, you know how rough it can be. Um, So I was sick for like three days, um, just sicker than a dog. And as the medicine was like lacking for my system, so to speak. And then came the withdrawal nightmares, which. Um, I've had nightmares before, but not like that. Um, luckily my mom came up and took me and Arya back home with her for the week while I was going through the withdrawals. Um, and at, oh, how old was I? 25, 25, 26 years old. Um, I had my mother sleeping in bed with me because the nightmares were that vivid and horrid and I didn't know if I was awake or not. Um, kind of sort of thing. Um, so it's almost like hallucinating, maybe, sort of speak. Um, because I thought what I was dreaming was real. I didn't realize I was asleep, and even when I woke up, I didn't know if I was actually awake or if I was dreaming that I woke up, and I was still actually in the dream. Um, so it was so rough, and so I, at that point, I refused to go back on any kind of medicine because I'm like, I'm not going through that again. And so I then went untreated for, um, well, quite a long time until after Kayla was born. Um, and I was in denial after Kayla, um, and Kayla has a sensitive tummy. So we had to figure out formula for her. So it was a rough, um, first couple months with her just figuring out what would be okay for her tum her little tummy um ended up finding out soy worked the best um and then of course those um little gas drops are a godsend um for any baby with a bubbly tummy i can and attest to that
0: as well get some get some yeah, of those gas drops. the
1: mylocon drops mm-hmm. uh yes if your kid is gassy or just has gas pains Milicon drops get them at Walmart. They're fantastic. And they actually smell pretty good. The medicine does so the kid takes them pretty easily Um, and got all that figured out. But she would just like be up all night screaming sometimes until we got all that figured out. And so after Kayla, it was more like depression that brought on anxiety versus anxiety that led to depression and like I said, I was in denial, I think, at first. And I'm like, no, I, I didn't have my baby that long ago. I'm just really tired or it's just the weepies or, you know, like it's not that bad of an issue until one night I had a horrendous headache. And it was probably just from lack of sleep, lack of nutrients, because I'm taking care of two kids now and um, got to get them fed. And then I forget about myself. And lo and behold, it's nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, hmm, I haven't eaten today. Um, might, might as well try again tomorrow. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, um, really rough. So my husband's like, why don't you take some Tylenol? I'm like, I'm afraid I wouldn't stop it just too if I were to take pills. And at that point he's like, that's not normal. That's not the weepies that's depression. And I'm terrified. So my mom took off work at this point. Um, we are back in Wichita. Um, we had our own place and everything, which was great. And being back in Wichita and having that support system that I didn't have with my first one was probably the my lifesaver, um, for lack of a better term. Um, but yeah, I had my husband is a super human encourager. He's fantastic, he's super supportive. Um, and of course my mom as well. And, um, my mom dragged me into my OB's office and, um, she was like, Okay, hey, what's going on? So I kind of explained everything and I'm like, but it's probably just the weepies or the baby blues, whatever you want to call it. And she goes, okay, up to like a certain point. Yes, that's true. But as soon as you start having the thoughts that you're having, that's not normal. That's not the weepies. That's not baby blues. That's depression, and we need to cut that off now. So, um, my OB was phenomenal. I actually still have a relationship, so to speak, with her. Um, she just wanted to keep tabs on me after um, the postpartum issues that I've had came up. Um, she actually prayed with me in her office and gave me some verses to like keep going over in my head instead of letting Satan tell me all these lies. Um, so that spoke like huge things to me and about how my OB was And I knew going in that I had picked a Christian OB. Um, my aunt actually works at Wesley in the NICU. She's like one of the head nurses. So she's worked with a lot of OBs in the Wichita area. So she recommended, um, like her top five that she really trusts and that are really phenomenal OBs. so I went with, um, her top pick and was not disappointed. Um, so I finally got help. She told me like, get me a list of therapists that are within your, um, network for insurance and I'll help you pick one. So got set up with, Um, A therapist as well that um, specializes in like motherhood, um, parenthood, uh, postpartum. And um, so started seeing her weekly at first. Um, To this day, I still see her. And sometimes if I'm having a rough time, I'm like, yo, I need to see you more than like once a month. And I've gotten a good regimen of going to my therapist every about every other week, sometimes every three weeks, depending on holiday season, um, and I still take my medicine. I'm on an antidepressant, not ashamed to say it, and also um, progesterone because sometimes women after um, delivery, their progesterone levels just don't go back to normal um, properly, and that in and of itself can cause anxiety or a little bit of anxiety or depression. Um, so she put me on that. It also helps me get quality sleep. Doesn't make it to where I don't hear my kids at night. Just when I'm asleep, I'm like actually getting into deep sleep, which I wasn't doing before. Um, so I have a good regimen now. And now I'm to a point a year and a half later where I'm like, yeah, looking back at myself, a year and a half ago, even like after Aria, I'm like, I should have gotten help. I I should have, you know, tried a different kind of medicine. I shouldn't have just like given up completely, because maybe I wouldn't have struggled so bad after Michaela. But, but at the I mean, same time, you didn't
0: I, know. I, you just right, knew that you right. had an I, adverse reaction and you didn't have time to deal with terrified. that. Because yeah, you had to be a mom.
1: Yeah, it's like, I can't, I can't be that way in be a mom and like still coke through it. And I was scared, like, what if I get put on a medicine that makes me have suicidal thoughts? Like, this one made me have like self harming thoughts, not suicidal thoughts. But like, what if it just gets worse from there? What if it makes me sick? What if I'm allergic to the medicine, and I don't know it. And then I'm at home alone with my baby. And, you know, God forbid, I'm allergic to the medicine, and I pass out or whatever. And So, there's just so many factors that, like, looking back, yeah, um, I probably should have done something a little different. But at the same time, I got to my low, my rock bottom, and I got the help I needed. And maybe that wouldn't have happened if things would have been different after Aria, and so I mean, I'm grateful for everything I've been through because now, like I have for whatever reason, this strong desire to like make mental health i don't know, not debunk it, but normalize it like mm-hmm. anxiety and depression is real. doesn't even have to be brought on by a pregnancy. like I think dads go through it um, oh, very much so. on their own own degree. Um, not so much as, like, the chemical imbalance that a mom does because a pregnancy just messes with you chemically and all that medical stuff that I am not a medical professional. I don't understand all of that. Um, but, like, I feel like with growing up in the church, um, my my experience is people were like, oh, you you just need more Jesus. You just need to pray about it. And I get that like, to an extent, like, yes, praying about things like giving things over to God is great. But at the same time, if it's a chemical imbalance, praying about it isn't gonna fix it.
0: Yeah, I grew Um, up in the church as well and ran into that same issue.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, yes, you know, trusting Jesus is phenomenal and important. But like I said, I mean, there's, God also created people to create ways to help you. That's by therapy. Uh, Medicine is there for a reason. And I I don't think a doctor would just throw medicine at you if you don't actually need it um, just to make money for themselves. Um, So, I mean, I'm a huge advocate for any mom out there that wants to talk. Like if you want like, questions to ask, like, I am an open book. Like, I will answer anything and everything. Um, So if anybody out there has nobody they feel like they can talk to, they feel like a burden to other people, for one, honey, do not feel that way. I've been there. I've been in your shoes. It's like, I can't tell people because I don't want them to think I'm a bad mom because I'm feeling this way or I don't want to be a burden to other people or a burden to my husband because it's like I can't take care of my kid because I just can't leave my bed because I'm just in a funk or whatever and like I get it that you feel that way but don't believe those lies in your head that is not not true you're loved your kids love you and Something I have learned is um, your kids aren't looking for a perfect parent. They are looking for a parent who is genuine, a parent who is real, and a parent who wants to be invested in their kids. Like my kids, I can so often get consumed in the fact that why are you being such a brat or a stinker and... In all reality, if I think about it, they're trying to get attention in any way I will give them. If I'm not giving them enough attention, they'll do stuff naughty just to get my attention. And so it really like kind of puts it back on me. Like, okay, where where am I lacking as a parent in the involvement with my kids and everything? And I went through um, this study over the summer at our church. Um called mom set free. And the very first day, I bawled like a baby, because it just resonated so much with me. Because like, I so often try to control like everything with my kids, like their health, their safety, like, if I keep them in a bubble, they will be okay. And that's just... (laughs) not reality. You can't put your kids in a bubble. If anybody knows how message me, please. I would love to know (laughs) how. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I have to let them fall and get a boo boo and realize it's okay. I didn't die. I scraped my knee, but it's okay. It heals. You know, mommy's there to comfort me. Um, we have had broken bones and that was a horrifying experience first time it happened. We have recently narrowly escaped stitches within 8 hours of each other on both children's heads. Um and I thought this, you know, was a boy thing. Like boys do crazy rambunctious things and break their bones and need stitches or almost need stitches and I have two girls and I can attest to the fact that it's not just boys. Oh um, no. they're they're crazy they they jump off things they climb the table at least my youngest one does um she's she'll she'll scale anything um (laughs) and so like one of my triggers is like the health and safety of my children that's probably my biggest one and um we just had in our four years of life our first ever tummy bug and Um, So to make it four years was actually kind of a miracle in and of itself.
0: I was going to say, how did you score that?
1: I have no idea. She has an ironclad stomach. Um, And the unfortunate thing was it was on her actual birthday. She woke up Saturday morning and she was just acting funny. And I kept asking her, are you okay? And She's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. As she's, you know, dry heaving. And then she threw up all over. Um, But she kept telling me, I'm okay. I'm okay. Because she didn't want me to cancel her birthday party. Um, So the poor thing uh, spent her entire birthday uh, with a tummy bug. Uh, And so I uh, have now dealt with that. Um, I shouldn't say I've dealt with that. Um, My husband did. Because I have learned that I'm not a vomit person. Oh no! My mom promised me that would. My mom promised me that would change when I became a parent. <laughs> she lied.
0: Oh goodness. I felt bad for my
1: kid, but yeah. And of course, with Arya having a tummy bug, I'm like, mm, Kayla's gonna get it. Kayla did not get it. Knock um, on the wood. Um, but she did come down with a bad case of hand, foot, and mouth.
0: Oh, this
1: weekend. So hmm. that was lovely. So I'm trying to keep them apart. Um. Because it's like no cross contamination, please. Like just get whatever illness is in my house out of my house. Like <laughs> get it out. But you know, leading up to Christmas, I'm like, hey, let's just get it all over with now. That way, at Christmas time, we're good. You That's know? true. Um, but yeah, so I surprisingly over the weekend with having two sick kids with different illnesses um i didn't spiral a single time i don't know how i managed to do it but i i just kept reminding myself like one of my coping strategies that i've learned helps me the most is to remind myself whether they're hurt or sick um that me getting worked up and upset and freaked out is not going to help anything it's not going to change anything and they really need me to remain calm, otherwise they're gonna sense my emotion. Cause both of them are very tuned in emotionally with me. I don't know if that's just since they're they're my kids, I carry them for nine months, just like that parent-kid thing, or just the fact that they're females as well. Um but they're very in tune with like me emotionally, so they go off of my emotions and so if they can sense that i'm uptight they do the same so i, just, Which I, I don't, don't know if you were like
0: if, i don't know if you were anything like me but like also having a daughter and i don't know if this is just a daughter thing or if it's a baby thing or what but i had no clue how perceptive that babies could be on just like yeah. emotions in the room a weird vibe mm-hmm. anything like that it was just mind-blowing to me
1: yeah just even walking into a room like for the first time they can just like instantly feel like the vibe of the room and which is like all this is so fascinating to me like I would somehow love to like study it but I mean that uh, studying with children is a little difficult
0: just a test um,
1: <laughs> yeah But, um, yeah, so just, like, for coping strategies, I guess, kind of, like, working my way into there. Um, It's something that's probably going to be different for everybody and what works for you and how you are. I'm a very, like, emotionally driven person. Uh, I don't like to upset people. I don't like to disappoint people. I'm a people pleaser. I know it about myself. So please don't point it out. Anybody who's listening that knows me. Um, I know it about myself. Um, I I like to make people happy, which is a very bad con in parenting. Because when you have to get onto your kid and you don't want your kid to turn around and be like, I hate you, mommy. Like as a people pleaser, mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me tell you, that that is a fear of mine, that someday my kid is going to be like, I hate you, mommy.
0: Yeah, I had that same fear, too, when I found out I was having a daughter, because I was just like, oh, no, she's going to hate me.
1: Oh, the teenage drama. Yes, it's coming. I know it is. Um, We'll cross that bridge when when we get there. Hopefully, it's later rather than sooner. Um, I just got through a three-nager, was what I call her, three-nager. Oh, my goodness. I've heard that That, term, too. I think it's not necessarily like just an attitude. She's just trying to become independent. She's trying Mm -hmm. to like figure out her place and her role and everything. And I try to remind myself of that, but sometimes it's just downright disrespectful tone, like absolutely not go to your room. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just like, I got on a little tangent bunny trail there. Sorry. Um, Coping strategies different for every person. For me personally, um, Stopping and like whether you close your eyes or not, just taking like a deep breath or even excusing yourself. There has been a couple times when I'm like, mm, I just need to go outside for a second. Like I just need some fresh air for a minute. I will be right back. Or stepping into a different room, like my bedroom, shutting the door. Um, whatever, whatever it takes to just remove myself from a situation if I feel like it escalating um, inside of myself. And, like, taking a couple deep breaths and, like, recollecting myself instead of just, like, instantly snapping at my kid. Um, that they don't need that. Um, trying to think of what else I do. Sometimes it just, like, changes based on the situation um, that I'm learning. But I'm working my with my therapist on things, like, bouncing things off her. She bounces things off me. Like, well, maybe try this next time in that situation. And I mean, sometimes situations come up, it's like, I've never dealt with that before. And I did not handle that properly. Um, So then going forward, it's like, well, now I know (laughs) um, what to handle for like, the next time things come up. Um, But I also try to stop myself from spiraling, if I can, like, feel it coming. Um, Stopping myself and thinking Listing everything that I know is um, truth. So, for example, if my kid falls and hits her head, and I instantly go into panic mode, thinking she has a concussion, she has a brain bleed. If I put her down, she's going to fall asleep. She's never going to wake up because she she has a brain bleed, and I didn't know it, and I put her down, and she's dead now, which is how my anxiety and depression tends to take my brain instantly worst case scenario. So what I would do in that situation to stop myself from spiraling would be to stop and be like, okay, if I were to call the after hour pediatrician or the doctor, whatever, what questions would they be asking me? Okay. She hit her head. Did she hit the front of her head? Did she hit the back of her head? Where did she hit her head? Okay. This is where she hit her head. Was she consolable? Yes, she was consolable as soon as I picked her up or as soon as I, you know, cuddled her for a few minutes. She was very easily consolable. Did she lose consciousness? No, she didn't lose consciousness. Did she vomit? No, she didn't vomit. Um, Is there any kind of laceration? No, there's no blood. Um, Just like, is she acting confused? No, she's not acting confused. She doesn't have balance issues. She's playing like normal, um, not like, slurring words or any, anything that would be, like, a major concern. Like, I can stop and go through all these questions and calm myself down because it's, like, okay, like, if I can answer no to all of these questions, there's no need to take her in. I just need to now keep an eye on her and make sure, you know, for the next hour or so um, that nothing changes. And so the biggest thing is – Stopping myself before spiraling is probably my biggest coping strategy. Um, like I said, doesn't always work that way. I am not perfect at this. I still struggle, even on medication. I still have bad days. Um, I call on my my dark days um, that I just don't want to go outside. I don't want to see anybody. I don't want anybody to ask me, "How are you doing today?" Because I don't want to face the reality of the fact that huh, I am having a bad day. I am having a day where my depression is just k- kicking my, my booty. And uh, even with the medicine, because like my doctor told me, the medicine is not there to avoid you of any emotion. It's there to help you regulate them. So you are still going to have emotional days. You are a woman. You have cycles. And it happens. Uh, it's normal. Uh, but um, on days that are dark days. I make myself get out of the house because I know that's what I need to do. Um, So I'm a part of uh, the mothers of preschoolers or mops uh, group at our church. And some days I don't want to go and see people and deal with people. Um, But I force myself to go and then be open and honest with people if they ask me, hey, how are you doing today? Be like, you know, it's a bad day, but I'm here. And just kind of leave it at that. Don't have to go into detail. Um, I have a couple uh, ladies that I'm pretty, pretty close with um, that I would be more willing to, like, open up about how, like, more in depth, kind of, with what's going on, just so, you know, they can be praying for me or um, you know even give me advice um, but on dark days when I don't want to see anybody that's when I know it's important to get out otherwise I'm just gonna go further down that rabbit hole and uh, that's not good for me or for my kids and you know kids get feeling stuck especially in the winter time it's so hard in the winter because you can't just take them outside for a walk because it's cold um can't go to the zoo um I mean I guess you could um just really bundle just very them up. bundled um, yeah <laughs> yeah I I don't like to be cold so uh I'm not a fan of going to the zoo in the wintertime unless it's like 60s
0: exactly um, yeah
1: but because then it's just not fun it's not enjoyable uh because you're like okay let's go see our favorite animal, and then we're going back to the car yep um But just like finding other things to do. That's why I have loved getting involved in mops. This is my third year doing it. And um, I've made some friendships and um, it's important for me to have a friendship with another mom as well as like my kids now have friends their age. And so we can have a play date at so-and-so's house during the winter time just for a different Scenery for the kids. Getting them out of the house. So they don't feel like they're under house arrest. Like I do. Um, and. Yeah. It's just. Finding your community. As a mother. Is so important. Because like I'm going to be cliche here. Probably. But you know it does take a village. And it's not just. Like your family is a big support system. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. But it's also great to have those friends that aren't going to have that, like, family bias, you know, like, oh, you're my kid, you know, I want to I want to be nice to you, you know, have a friend who's gonna tell you how it is, whether you want to hear it or not. And like, in a in the moment, it's like, man, that's really harsh. Like, oh, my feelings are a little hurt. But then when you stop and think about it, it's like, nope. You know what? I needed to hear that. Like, I needed to kind of get called out, and um, just yeah, the the community that uh, I found is an, another lifeline for me, and some another coping strategy. I for this probably isn't a coping strategy, but um, it's something that has helped me is just being um open and honest with myself and with other people, like not putting on a face, not being like, Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. Like, no, I'm not good. I'm not fine. There has been a couple of times when my husband is at home and I text him and I'm like, that thought is in my head again. And it's making me nervous. Cause I periodically still have that thought of like, hmm, I want to hurt myself like i want to break my arm or break my leg or something and i've learned that it's kind of around the time like if my kid is hurt or sick and it's more so like it takes the mom it would take like the mom guilt away from me because like there's nothing else i can do for my kid like i've done everything i can and they're still in pain or they're still sick like i i've given them the medicine and they're still you know coughing or still in pain from teething you know and there's nothing else for me to do except for just love on them cuddle them as much as they need or as much as they want or as much as they'll let me Mm. in most cases um so it's more so like my brain telling me like oh the mom guilt will go away if you have a reason to not be doing more for them which is a lie that my head comes up with because it's just kind of a hot mess express in there sometimes. Um, but, I feel that
0: though. And I think there's, yeah. I feel like that's, that happens more often than people will admit because I remember there mm. were a couple of times uh, where I thought it wasn't necessarily uh, to ease mom guilt, but it was just so, I could have an excuse to have a break. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I, a hundred percent get that like, Oh, this would, you know, give me a chance to not have to deal with them. Like as horrible as that sounds. I love my kids. I love them to pieces, but you know, I don't get many breaks and that can get exhausting. I mean, I signed up to be a stay-at-home mom, and I love every second of it. I'm so grateful my husband has the job that he has that allows me to be a stay-at-home mommy. Um, But sometimes it's like (laughs) you're driving me absolutely up the walls Baddie, Like, (laughs) I have been with you for so long. I'm sick of you. You're sick of me. But, you know, my mom works during the day. Uh, My mother-in-law is out in Pratt. Um, She comes up periodically. I so often feel trapped in motherhood sort of speak, because mm-hmm. like if I have an errand to run, I have to load them up and take them with me. Like I don't have another option. And sometimes I don't want to take them to the store with me and have little hands like, Oh, we need cookies. Oh, we need these kind of cookies. Oh, we need pop tarts. Like that's not what we came to the store for. <sighs> We don't need more cookies. You need more protein. You don't need sugar. Like You have to sleep at some point, child. You can't have sugar all the time. Um, mommy needs sugar. Mommy needs caffeine. No kidding. Yeah. Um, we just built our first house, which has also been a huge help for me. We got um, a security system, which I didn't realize was affecting my anxiety because the night we installed it, I slept through the night for the first time in like ever since having kids. And I didn't realize that the security now that I think about it, I'm like, that makes absolute 100% sense. But just the thought of now that I have a security system, there is no way anybody can get in or out of my house without my knowledge. And cause my, my oldest is, freakishly not freakishly i shouldn't say freakishly that's super mean she's tall for her age and for a girl but i married jolly green giant so <laughs> um for i mean i guess nobody can see me nobody really knows me i'm tiny my mom's four eleven. i myself am barely 5 2 so i'm tiny my husband's over six foot tall um so my daughter is tall for a girl in my side of the family um so she can reach door handles she knows how to unlock door handles I mean she's four she's smart um and there was one time shortly after we moved into our house that she had unlocked our front door and her and my youngest were down the street by the time I realized it and I don't take my eyes off them for long because they are crafty little buggers um and they were, yeah, down the street. And it's a we were the first house done in this new development. So, of course, there's construction. It's a construction site everywhere. There's nails, you know, all sorts of rusty stuff just laying around. Uh, beer cans crushed up all over the place. Um, and so, yeah, they were down the street by the time I realized that they had gotten out of the house. So that was, like, huge panic mode for me, like what, by the time I caught my kids, had my one year old eaten, like hard telling, she could have swallowed a nail, she could have swallowed a bolt, I don't, I don't know, at this point, a rock, dirt, I don't know, she eats everything, and so getting the security system has really helped me sleep better at night, um, because of just the security, and I think that's a lot of where Sometimes anxiety can stem from, especially in motherhood, because there is a lot of unknowns. And if anybody out there is like me, like if you feel like you don't have control, that's terrifying because you just don't know. You can't predict what's about to happen. Just like, you know, there's just so many scare tactics I feel like out there for parents, especially if you're a new mother. Like, you know, all those diseases that they tell you about, like RSV, it's, it's RSV season. It's terrifying. I was horrified of RSV and, um, my kids have lived through it. Uh, we actually just got over it for a second time Aww. with Kayla. Um, she's one and a half now. So I mean, she, she tolerates it pretty well cause it's just basically a bad cold at this age. Right. Um, so, but then on top of it, they typically get a secondary infection, which she then got an ear infection. And this is right before Thanksgiving and the doctor's office is about to close for the holidays. So I'm like, uh, get my kid in please last second. I, I please, please, please. Um, and so we just went through it the second time. It's still terrifying at one and a half as it was when she had it at six months. Um, luckily Michaela is some kind of like superhuman baby. And no matter what she has, her mood doesn't change, Aww. so that's why it's hard to gauge, like, how severe of a illness we're dealing with. Like, is it just a minor cold? Is it teething? Is it an ear infection? Like, it's kind of hard to gauge with her, like, how severe it is. Like, should I be taking her to the doctor, or should I just kind of let it run its course? <laughs> Which... Unfortunately, RSV is one of those that they're like, we don't have anything to give them. So you kind of just have to listen to your kid cough and gag and throw up snot throughout the night because it just sits there. And, you know, it's horrifying. And that's like, I guess another trigger for me is just not having that control. Not. Yeah. Yeah knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. The fear Uh, of the
0: unknown is for some people is absolutely debilitating.
1: Yes. It like almost like your fight or flight mode. Cause I've recently learned that there's a third one. Like it's either fight, flight or fawn and fawn is obviously deer in the headlights. You freeze and you don't know what to do. And I think sometimes that is my reaction is I freeze and I'm like, my brain just like instantly shuts off. Like somebody unplugged it and I just like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I, I don't even know. I have no clue. And nobody told me that about parenthood. Like nobody told me about that. My mom didn't deal with, um, postpartum anxiety or depression really bad. I mean, she had like the baby blues, um, but never anything past that point. So for me, I'm like, I don't like, my mom doesn't get it. Like she wasn't, she's never been there. So I don't have her to like bounce stuff off of, you know, to like ask, like, how did you get through this? And she spaced her kids out. Great. So my brother and I are almost nine years apart. (laughs) So um she never had like a toddler and an infant at the same time and i'm like you have no idea how exhausting this is mother cuz you had a built-in babysitter when you no, had another man. baby <laughs> and so there are just things like like that that i can't bounce off of her because like the person that i want to go to with like every parenthood advice that i need obviously i go to my mother my mother's raised kids um and she technically hasn't been there not saying that she's a bad mom just like she hasn't experienced the things that I'm experiencing because our motherhood um stories are different and everybody's motherhood stories are different some line up some places go opposite directions like um it's Hard and nobody told me how hard it was gonna be. Like I just thought it was gonna be like this beautiful time in life that I brought a life into this world, and then I didn't ever think that there was a part of me that kind of wanted to send them back. Like
0: yeah, and that's I
1: want. I I feel like part of my life back,
0: and that's that's (laughs) the big reason for the, the the whole point of of the title of the wow moment, the wow moment of this was nothing like I thought it would be. And yeah, I had that same thought of like, I need to do over. Cause if I knew this was how it was going to be, um, I can't promise that I would do it again. But yeah, I think I... those, I think those moments, I think those moments happen more often than people admit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, that's why it needs to be brought up.
1: Yeah, it's normal. It's normal to like, okay, I say this to my husband all the time. I love him to pieces. I love him all the time. Sometimes I don't like him. There are times I don't like my kids. I love them to pieces all the time. Always will. Always will love my husband as well. But there are times I don't like him. And you know what, mom? That's okay to admit. You don't always have to like your kids. You'll always love them. You're not always going to like them. And I am sure there are people out there that are like, Oh, cast. It's okay. Calm down. I would never do anything to hurt my kids. I would never ditch them on the side of a road in a duffel bag or anything like that. Um, but it's okay to admit they're not always going to like you. They'll always love you. You're their mother. You brought them into the world. There is a bond there that you can't replicate. They're not always going to like you you're gonna make each other mad, you're gonna annoy each other, just like in your marriage, you're gonna annoy your spouse, you live together, it's gonna happen.
0: Well, it's almost but, like, hey, it's it's just another that, relationship. Almost like yes. relationships have their ups and downs or something.
1: Yes. And it's normal. And it's okay. And you don't always have to enjoy motherhood. I don't always enjoy it. There are times it's like, I wish I could rewind the last four years of my life and hold off on having a kid until a little bit later. But at the same time, bringing a kid into the world is never something you're going to be like, Oh yes, I'm hundred percent ready to do this. Just like I had some anxiety leading up to my wedding day. And it's like getting married is something you just kind of have to jump blindly into. And like, you're never going to be 100% ready for it you're never going to be 100% ready to be a parent you can prepare you can read books you can do xyz and it's not going to turn out that way and it just is uh, how do I want to put it it is a blessing a beautiful messy blessing to be a parent and yeah it I don't always like it. It's not a fun job because you don't get to clock out. You don't get paid. You don't get paid overtime. You don't get paid holidays. You don't get paid sick time. Like as a mother, you're sick. And you still got to get up. You got to change the diaper. You got to make them food, even though you feel like death. And there have been multiple times Um. This is probably terrible for me to admit, but I'm sure I'm not alone. That I have in the middle of the night woken up so many times with my kid, and death glared my husband, beautifully sleeping soundly in the bed. And oh, like, <laughs> you are
0: definitely not alone on that front.
1: Uh, and part of me wants to like kind of like flick him or hit him, <laughs> like <laughs> oh, just wake up a. Wake up a little bit, like you know, and then you get the comment the next morning. Man, the baby slept great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. The baby slept fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's like at the same time I have to remind myself like he has a job, so I can stay home. So if I did have a bad night with the baby or with the kids or whatever, when they take a nap during the day, I can lay down for a little bit during the day, and so. It just, yeah, I, there have been a couple times as a mom that I'm like, mm, I wish I could be a dad. A dad seems like a funner job than being a mommy because because they get to sleep at night. You get up with the kids. Even if the dad gets up, they're like, mm, you're, they're probably going to want you. So it's kind of pointless for me to get up, just to come back and be like, mm, they want you.
0: Well, and, and I don't know if th- I'm sure every dad is different, but I, th- what I noticed sure. is that uh, my husband it's like if he gets up with her in the middle of the night and you know, he feeds her or whatever and then puts her back to bed and she goes back to sleep. He can typically go back to sleep fairly quickly. Whereas yes,
1: my husband m- is that way too.
0: Yeah. Whereas me, I'll probably be up for another hour.
1: Yeah. Cause I have, once my brain wakes up, I have to shut it back down. And part of, part of it for me probably is like, Oh, we got, especially if like, I know one of them is sick. It's like, oh, like, how long do I have before they wake up again? Is it pointless to even try to fall back asleep at this point?
0: That's valid. And too. then I,
1: then I lay there mm-hmm. and like trying to get myself to fall back asleep. And then my brain tricks me into hearing my kid.
0: Oh, the so then phantom I go and check on him. And then I, yep.
1: yes, I, every time I shower, every time I shower, I'm like, I heard him and they're four and one and a half. I'm like, whose baby is crying? When did I have a third kid? Like whose baby is crying? And uh, yeah, the, I, that happened last night. Honestly, I like woke up at like four 30 hearing my kid cry. She was sound asleep. So I don't know if like she did it in her sleep or if I was dreaming and I dreamed that she was crying and I woke up thinking that I actually heard it. I have no idea, but like, the phantom crying is weird and tricky. And I have one kid that could have a nuke drop next to her while she's sleeping and would not wake up. She sleeps like her dad. The other one sleeps like me. And if you breathe too loud through your nose, she'll wake up. Like, very, very light sleeper. So checking on her if she's not actually awake is kind of out of the question because you will wake her up and then she's up and whether it's 2 a.m. or 6 a.m. if she's awake she's gonna be like let's play it's like no it's <laughs> 2 a.m. let's not do no that. it's night night time yep it's like nobody yeah nobody told me how difficult it would be to be a mother but how rewarding in turn it is like I was just watching my kids play together uh this evening before um jumping in the podcast and they were playing together and it was so cute and precious and they have this um tunnel thing that we got them and one was in one side one was in the other and Kayla kept going peek he, Peek, peeking at her sister and they were giggling and just listening to the sound of your kid giggling.
0: That is cool. Like
1: you can't be upset. Like they're you can't be sad. You can't be upset if you hear your child giggling, especially if like they're playing with their sibling or with your with your partner, with your spouse. Like if your kid your husband's playing with the kids and they're giggling and it's just like it almost brought tears to my eyes because it was just so precious and it just melted my heart that they were playing together because they are four and one and a half and they don't always play well together. They don't no. always share. <laughs> there is a lot of times where I, most of the time it's not giggling it's no, mine, no, you? mine. Kayla, no! Kayla, no! Like, that's what I hear all day long. And as soon as like daddy leaves to run to the store or do something outside like they know when you're outnumbered as a mother
0: oh very much like i swear
1: like they know (laughs) and and they take they take that opportunity and um yeah they'll they'll make you pull your hair out but then they do something sweet and you instantly forget what they had just done to make you upset and like all the whining is probably one of my biggest pet peeves. My four-year-old loves to just whine for no apparent reason. I'm like, please, that noise that you are making is just making my head hurt. Like, please don't. You're four. Talk to me like a big girl. If you can't do that, go to your room until you can, please. Um. That is not how smoothly the conversation typically goes. Sometimes I can manage to keep my cool. Most of the time it's like get to your room now. Um but you know, um luckily children are forgiving. Mhm. Especially at a very young age. Um so I'm trying to like regulate my emotions as a mother to teach my two daughters I think God gave me two daughters for a reason. He's got a lot to teach me apparently (laughs) um, about myself and I don't like it
0: (laughs) Uh, because
1: both of them are like me. When I found out I was having a second girl, I'm like, Oh Lord almighty. I thought I wouldn't have one. I thought I'd end up with you. I thought I'd end up with all boys and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get a girl. And so to find out my first kid was a girl, I was super excited. I'm like, I get my girl, I get my little princess. And so the second pregnancy was a night and day difference than my first from the get-go. So I thought I was having a boy. And when we went to the anatomy scan, um, they were like, okay, we're gonna, you know, if you don't want to know what gender it is, I'm about to go into that area, so look away, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, we want to know. And so she was in the technician was in that area and I looked at my husband and I was like, huh, I don't see anything. And they go, I don't see anything. And she goes, "Yep, three little lines. It's a girl. And I'm like, Oh no. Oh no. Not another one. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I I love Michaela. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just, I just had talked myself into the fact that it was so different that it was going to be a boy and I was going to get one of each and I'd be done at two uh, kids. And, um, so a little bit of disappointment washed over me, as horrible as that probably sounds, um, that it wasn't a boy. The gender um, disappointment kinda, is a thing. Then it kinda like switched to fear. Like I already have a daughter and I love her to pieces. Like she was my world. And I'm like, how am I supposed to love a second daughter as much as I love Arya? Like, how am I supposed to love two girls the same? And that was my biggest fear going into delivery with Kayla. Cause I'm like, I already have a daughter and I'm like, hopefully by the time like Kayla's too, I'll love her as much as I love Aria. Cause it's like, I've known Aria for the last like two and a half years leading up to Kayla being born. Um, Kayla's brand new. I don't know anything about her except for that. She's a girl and she's going to probably look something like me. Um, so I was terrified to have a second girl. I was like, I mean, I have a girl, so I know what to do with a girl. But at the same time, it's like, it's the same gender. How do you love them the same? And the thing I learned is you don't love them the same. Because they're not the same person. Like, Kayla and Arya look like identical twins just born at a different time. And they're polar opposites. Personality-wise... And just character wise and the way they give and receive love is like a thousand percent different. So I'm having to learn different ways to show them affection because Aria likes to be coddled. Aria likes to be loved on. She loves to be snuggled. She loves to constantly like be with you. Kayla likes us all in the same room, but we all don't have to be interacting. She wants us in the vicinity, but she's like, don't touch me. She doesn't like to cuddle. She doesn't, when it's bedtime, she's like, put me in my bed. Let me go to sleep. Aria's like, will you lay with me for a bit? Will you read me stories? And so like the way I give and receive love is identical to Aria. Kayla's not like me at all in that sense. So it's like, okay, I have to like start preparing myself now that I know that about her at one and a half. And hopefully by the time she grows into a teenager, like I'll kind of have a better grasp on the ways that she feels loved and valued and everything. And, um, it, yeah, you don't love your kids the same. And that's okay to admit that you don't, because they're not the same people. Even if you have twins, I don't have any experience with that. Um, but even identical twins are still different people. And I had this mentality going into having a second girl that it's like, uh, how am I supposed to love the second girl the same way? But now I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're different people. I don't know why they didn't register <laughs> when I first found out I was having a second girl. Um, but yeah, it, mm. for anybody out there that has different kids, I'm sure, you know, all your kids, they might look alike, but they're
0: they're Definitely a lot not. different. And so, if you could go back and give your pre-mom self any advice, like what would the top, like top three pieces of advice would you give yourself?
1: Um, I just got asked this the other day at MOPS, which is interesting. So, probably my first one would be to. Enjoy the stage your kid is in, like newborn stage. If I could go back and just you know enjoy it a little more, the smell of your newborn, like sniffing their head, as weird as that's probably gonna make me sound. I know other moms do it. Your baby's head smells delicious and it's soothing and it's comforting. I still do it because I still smell it, like my the scent of your kid. Like, it's just very calming. Um, Enjoy the snuggles. Enjoy the fact that they like to be held and they sleep on you because you never know when that's going to be the last time that they do that. Just like with Kayla. She used to sleep on us. She used to like to be rocked and cuddled and, you know, held and sleep on you. And you get to watch their little faces change, you know, when they're sleeping. They're so cute. I didn't know the last time I did that was going to be the last time that she'd let me do it. And now she's like, put me in my bed. I don't want a rock. Aww. And so, like, just enjoy the stage that they're in because it's not going to last forever. Just like Arya wanting me to lay with her or color with her, someday she's going to be like, I can do it on my own. Or reading a book to her. Eventually, like she's starting to learn her alphabet. Eventually, she's going to learn how to read. And she's not going to ask me to read her a book anymore. She's going to be reading it herself. Yeah. So, like, that would probably be my number one um, piece of advice is enjoy the stage. No matter how hard the stage might be. Just take the time to enjoy it. Because you never know when it's going to be the last time you get to do X, Y, or Z. With your kid or reading to your kid or whatever. The second one, it's not necessarily advice, but nobody told me this about having a girl that after they're born, they can kind of have like a mini period.
0: Yeah, that was wild.
1: That was crazy. I was terrified that I saw some blood in my kid's diaper. Like Nobody told me about that. So when I called the pediatrician freaking out, loading up my kid to take him to the ER, thinking that something's wrong, they're like, oh, no, that's normal. And I'm like, ah, no, it's not it's not normal. And so for anybody out there who is about to have a baby, if it's a girl, um, just be aware that that is in fact normal. Um, however, if it's a ton of blood, that is not normal. It's just like more than likely a few drops. If you even notice with Kayla, I didn't notice with mm-hmm. Arya, I did. um, so it's just them regulating their own hormones because they have estrogen on their their own. They're a little girl, um, so they're just trying to regulate off of having fed off yours. Um, so it's normal. It's okay. Um, let's see. Third piece of advice would probably just to stay completely open communication wise with whoever your support system is, um, with your doctor, your OB um, your spouse, your parents, your partner, your friends, whoever your support system is, um, be completely open and honest with how you're feeling physically, emotionally, mentally, um, all of that, like be open and honest. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Like there are I'm sure a ton of people that would be more than willing to come over and sit with the baby for an hour while you run to the store or while you go to the doctor. So you don't have to drag the baby out, especially during cold and flu season or when it's cold outside and you don't want to drag a new baby outside. Um, Or even just like taking a shower, like that shower feels amazing after you have a kid. Like there are people I'm sure that would be more than willing to to help you um, out in those, those times of learning to be a parent for the first time, learning to be um, somebody's – having somebody depend on you for literally everything. And even if, like, transitioning from one kid to two kids was difficult, more difficult than I thought it would be, just because, like, I have a toddler that has all this energy, but I'm exhausted because I have a newborn that doesn't sleep. Or even during pregnancy, like with your first one, if you're tired, you can take a nap. With the second one, when you have a toddler that wants to play and you all you feel like doing is vomiting, like you can't just lay around and like not really do much of anything. You actually have to still function. And it's hard. So, like be honest with your spouse, with your partner, whatever, like, hey, I really need to rest. I need to go to bed early tonight. Can you do bedtime? Or like, can I run to the store while um, the baby's napping? Can you keep an ear out for them? No, whatever, whatever it is. And along with that, if you don't have a support system, please find one, you know, um, whether that be a mom's group that's in your area. Um, you can like go on Facebook and search, um, for like a mops group, mothers, um, group. There's all different sorts of names for them in your area. They're all over the U S. Um, so reach out to a group, try to find a community of friends of other moms, um, And that way you have that community that supports them if you don't have it from anywhere else. If you feel alone or if you're a single mom or whatever, um, just get a support system that you trust and that will um, help you be in a better place.
0: And to kind of add to what you were saying about finding a support system, uh, Postpartum Support International, I've talked about them in previous episodes before, but they are at postpartum.net. They do have uh, a hotline and a text line, and they have professionals standing by to talk you through the hard stuff, but also to help you find that support and to help you find that community. Um, And they have a section on their site for moms and dads both. And if you put in like your zip code or something, they will put you in contact with with support groups so because I think that was the biggest struggle for me is uh not knowing where to look per se or not knowing where to start and Mm -hmm. having a resource like that um I think makes a big difference so um please keep that in mind postpartum.net uh just put that into google bookmark it somewhere you can get to it pretty easily um and then right there on the on their main page is their hotline so even if you have to save that in your phone so you have it at your fingertips um is i i think a good a good move for for parents if they need that support
1: yeah definitely like any and all resources you can get to help yourself help your spouse just um even make it a little easier is fantastic whether you end up using that resource or not at least it's there if you do need it, or when you do need it, it's you know just great to have what you need um, available to you, and that's what's great about this age and all the technology that we have. Um, is those resources are red- red- more readily available, I should say. I
0: agree. I um, agree. Yeah, I feel like those that need it. The social media aspect is is kind of a letdown, but the other aspect of having the technology to have medical professionals at your fingertips, I think is a huge benefit.
1: Yeah. And don't be afraid to reach out to medical professionals or like those hotlines, like suicide hotlines or those helplines that like, if you're really struggling, they can kind of talk you through it. Don't be afraid to reach out to them thinking that, oh, now CPS is going to come and take my kid. Like you're reaching out You're trying to better yourself. You're trying to not be in a bad place. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to take your kid away because they know you're trying to be better. You're trying to get better. It's not like you're ignoring it or, you know, harming your kid by not getting help. Like you're actually trying to help. Nothing's going to happen to your kid unless you don't do anything. Then something could happen to you or your kid. And Um, So they're there to help, not to judge. So it's okay to reach
0: out. Agreed. Perfect. Well, thank you, Caitlin. I appreciate you coming on uh, the podcast today and sharing your story. It was very much appreciated.
1: Yeah, thanks for doing this. I mean, I'm sure there's a thousand plus moms out there that are like, oh, I finally found something that I've been looking for and what you're doing Sarah is like amazing. So kudos to you. You're doing great. And even being a first time mom, you're crushing it, girl. Well, thank you.
0: I appreciate the confidence. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening, friends, and have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Postpartum Wow. If you like what you heard and you'd like to support this podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe and follow me on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow me on my Facebook page at the Postpartum Wow. This way, you'll be notified when new episodes are dropped every other Tuesday. Feel free to also leave a review sharing what you liked best. And this will help other listeners know what to expect when checking out this podcast. Until next time, friends, may your messy buns be on point and your coffee stay warm.